On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for our 300th edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on our 300th episode, it's Mindy Zemrak. She is the Shark Tank casting manager. She is also casted for The Apprentice, Expedition Impossible, I Survived a Japanese Game Show, and on and on. And you might just recognize the name. Yes, she's my daughter. She's coming up on the 300th edition of On Screen and Beyond. I hope you're going to stick around for that. We'll be talking with her about what's going on with Shark Tank and all sorts of stuff. It's coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, this week, uh, it's been a busy week. Last weekend was in L.A. for the Grammys, and that was a great time. We were over there, and we were watching you know, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, and it was just a fantastic show being there. We went to the pre-telecast show, which is still up online. You can check that out. And we were actually in the third row, and you could see us. We were right in the aisle, and, and it was just a great time. I was there with my brother. And uh, had a lot of fun, saw a lot of great people, a lot of great acts. Oh, and after we went to the after party, too, and that was a a great time. So I had a great time last week. But we got a lot of things coming your way right here on our 300th show of On Screen and Beyond. So let's get ready for Remake Madness. It's coming up next. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, the story of King Arthur will be remade and retold. And they're looking at making six films over time with Guy Ritchie directing the first one. So they, you know, they skipped the three here like they usually do the, you know, the trilogy, but now they're going to six. So we'll see what happens with that. In 1951, there was a movie called The Day of the Triffids, and that one is heading for a remake by a director of one of the Harry Potter films. So that'll uh, probably be a good film. And a new take on the Peter Pan story is in the works under the name of Pan. And get this, Hugh Jackman will play Blackbeard. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I, I thought Captain Hook was in there. I didn't know Blackbeard was involved. But we'll see what they're going to do with it. Uh, that's what they're talking about. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Upcoming new movies, well, Chris Pine will star in In Line as he plays a patrol agent 
trying to get his life back together, then enters a cartel. And you know what's going to happen then. And Julianne Moore, Alec Baldwin, Kristen Stewart, and Kate Bodsworth will star in Still Alice. It's about a professor neurologist who is diagnosed with the early stages of Alzheimer's. And look for Bruce Willis to be in a sci-fi thriller called Vice, which is set in the future where mankind abuses androids. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's going on as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, if you remember Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, of course they were with Community and all sorts of other films, they're going to be directing Captain America 3. Now, Anthony was a past guest here on On Screen and Beyond, so check out that interview. It was episode 69 in our rerun section. Just go to onscreenandbeyond.com, go to our rerun section, you'll find it there. Thor 3 will have Christopher Yotz and Craig Kyle aboard as the writers for the third installment of Thor, and the sequel to The Purge now has a name, The Purge Anarchy. It will hit theaters on June 20th. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's happening as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, Season 7, Volume 1, and Volume 2 of Rawhide will ride into stores on March 4th with Clint Eastwood as Rowdy Yates. And on March 18th, you can look forward to Flashpoint, the final season as it arrives, and Little House on the Prairie Season 1 Deluxe Remastered Edition will make its way onto Blu-ray and DVD on March 25th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, movies coming your way on DVD. Movies on DVD, Puncture Wounds with Dolph Lundgren will fight its way into stores on March 11th. And on March 18th, Reasonable Doubt with Samuel L. Jackson will land on Blu-ray and DVD. And on March 4th, you can look for Last Days on Mars as it lands on DVD and Blu-ray. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV time. TV time, well, fans of Banshee on Cinemax will be pleased as Cinemax has given a thumbs up for a third season of the original crime drama series. And the CW has ordered a pilot from Rob Thomas, creator of Veronica Mars. The show is an adaptation of DC Comics' I, Zombie. And that is it for TV time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, our 300th show, our 300th, well, actually over our 300th guest because we've had doubles in the past, but... This is a very special episode because not only do we have a guest who is a casting director for Shark Tank and all kinds of other series, but she's my daughter. Mindy Zemrak is going to be joining us, and uh, like I said, she is the casting manager for Shark Tank, a very popular ABC show, and she's also worked on The Apprentice, Expedition Impossible, I Survived a Japanese Game Show, just on and on, all kinds of things. She was on the uh, show Las Vegas, and uh, we're going to be talking about all of that, and it's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest on our 300th show is the casting manager for the popular ABC show Shark Tank. She has also worked on such shows as I Survived a Japanese Game Show, Expedition Impossible, The Apprentice, Who Done It, Duets, Las Vegas, and many other shows. And she's my daughter. It's Mindy Zemrak. Mindy, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you for having me. All right, Mindy, let's start out with Shark Tank. It's probably one of the bigger shows on ABC. What's going to be happening now? I know you're working on the next season, so just give us an idea. Yeah, Shark Tank is definitely the biggest show I've ever worked on. We are starting up casting for season six. Uh, we Our numbers actually just hit a high this past week. We hit series high of eight million. So we're the show that just keeps on going up, which is fantastic because it keeps me employed. Um, but we're looking for kind of bigger, better companies. We're always looking for kind of those products or companies that make you say, wow, or why hasn't this been done before? And having those com- com- companies come into the tank at the beginning, um, they get a huge audience of 8 million viewers who, even if five sharks in the tank don't agree with it, you have 8 million people that a lot of people order their their stuff online through their websites or retail. So it, it really works out. Um, this season we're looking for younger new companies that you know are about to launch and maybe need seed funding or series a there was a company on uh this season called breathometer and he actually did a full series a round of funding he got a million dollars from all five sharks and that kind of made us think well we should reach out to those companies who need seed funding or series a which is a little different from the typical um format of shark tank but we obviously want to keep growing and educating uh so that we can stick around for a lot longer now, you're doing a lot of traveling right now. Last week, you were, what, in or uh, New Orleans, right? Yeah, so since the beginning of January, I went to Atlanta. We had a uh, open casting call in Atlanta, and then this week alone, I went to three different cities. I was in San Francisco. I went to the Fancy Food Show to recruit different companies there and ate all kinds of food all day, which was great. Then I went to New Orleans for the Growth Conference, which is a conference put on by Entrepreneur Magazine. And then I rounded out the week at Salt Lake City where I went to the outdoor retailer show and we just kind of walked the floor and see what new exciting, you know, companies were there. And I, in three weeks, I'll be going to New York to the Toy Fair, uh, to Las Vegas for Magic, and then San Francisco for the launch conference, uh, which is a great conference for startup companies, and then South by Southwest in Austin in March. And then there's a couple more open calls that have yet to be set, but those will be also coming up in probably March and April. Now, I know you can't tell us about the different companies you've talked with, but as you've been going through to these different conferences and things like that, any interesting things you've seen? Definitely. Um, I obviously can't give away too much because that's the whole point of the show, but when I walk by a booth, you know, and if if it catches my eye, I think, well, this is something. Um, and you want those companies where you think, wait a minute, why haven't I, why haven't I seen this done before? So we're, you know, we're searching companies in the food world, in the tech world, in the mobile app world, um, in the outdoor, you know, retail type thing, and and many more other different venues and 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 genres or categories. So um, season six will definitely gear up to be an amazing year or amazing season, that's for sure. How did you first become involved with Shark Tank? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Um, I What was I working on? I don't remember what show I was working on at the time because it was so long ago. I'd have to look at my resume. Um, basically, 
Oh, do you have a list here of all my shows? Let's see. <laughs> I was on... Was it Expedition or... No, Expedition came after. Um, good Lord. Japanese? I might have been on Japanese Game Show. I also might have been on um, The Apprentice or Design Star. Somewhere around 2009, 2010, I think. Um, I work for... Um, I'm freelance, and I'm, I'm hired by my boss, who's been amazing um, to work for because he keeps hiring me, and he's hired me for seven years, seven and a half years now. Um, but I've done a ton of shows for Mark Burnett, and Mark Burnett had acquired the rights with Sony and ABC to do Shark Tank, which was based on the popular show Dragon's Den, which actually originated in Japan and then went over to the U.K. and then Canada, and we finally bought the rights here in the U.S., and I'd been working with Scott, my boss, and he said, we have this new show for Burnett. And I said, great, what is it? And he kind of explained it to me. And as someone who went to film school, when he said the word equity, I was like, what? I don't, I don't know what equity is. Um, and now in season five, going into season six, I, we joke that I have a Shark Tank MBA because I've learned so much about business school. And I got my, you know, I went to film school for college, so... Uh, season one was, was a little harder to, to, harder to cast because no one knew what the show was. You had to do a lot of outreach and explain to people what the show was. So, and I think season one, we maybe only had eight or 10 episodes and now season five, we're airing 28 episodes. So everyone, it's a, you know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing show to work on and, and everything, but it was a little tiny show that struggled for season two. We waited about over a year to find out if we were going to get season two and we didn't know if it was going to happen. And finally it did. And ever since, you know, season two came around, our numbers just keep going up and we just keep dominating Friday night. And now they're showing our show in uh, high school classes and hmm. families watch it. Like our demo, like we have people telling me that our demographics starts at like eight or nine years old kids watch it and understand it to 80 something years old so it's really a show that everyone seems to love so thank you <laughs> now what about the cast what are they like mr wonderful let's start with him <laughs> well mr wonderful i love i love mr wonderful um he loves money and a lot of people don't like him but they also don't know him they only see what's on the show and you know in between when we're filming in between companies coming in and out of the tank you know, uh, they're hanging out at craft service with us or they'll go to rap parties at the bar and have a beer with us and buy us drinks. Um, he's a very intellectual person, so sometimes he says things to me and I just, I nod, but I have no idea what he's talking about and I feel somewhat stupid. But, um, I mean, he's done great things with companies and at the end of the day, he's great entertainment value. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. you can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> now, yeah, we'll get to the other ones in a minute, but... You mentioned that the show is now 28 episodes, and you may not know this, but years ago, that's what shows used to do. They used to do 28, 30, even right. more, 40 episodes a year. So that's this is quite unusual to have a show that's doing that many episodes. It is, and I remember, I mean, all the shows I've done, and I've done a lot of casting shows, mostly go, you can look them up, like eight to ten episodes a season, that's it. That's the run of the show, because you just do eliminations. Shark Tank, even though it's considered a reality show, isn't a reality show, in my opinion. It's right, not it's a competition <laughs> game show. It's it's a format that is just, it's all pre-taped. It's, you know, obviously most reality is, but it's it's not a competition. It's not to see who's the craziest. It's just American-made entrepreneurs with their companies, you know, to try and, and support them. So um, what was the original question? Oh, the numbers of episodes. So, yeah, so the fact that 
every season we keep going up. You know, I think season two we had maybe 12, and then we went to 15, then we went to 18. We were only picked up for 23 at the beginning of this season, and then they added five more after we premiered. So mm. we're airing, like I said, 28 episodes, and they may add more. Who knows? Like, we have more stuff we can we can air. We have more, you know, yeah. pitches in the tank or in the can, but they may not see the light of day. But, you know, for every entrepreneur we can get out there, it's just it's better for everyone. They're even showing this now on, I think, is it CNBC? CNBC. Yeah, I saw yeah. that on there. And they, they do a marathon of just shows. <laughs> We actually, I didn't know that that was happening, and we found out two weeks ago that we had set record high numbers for CNBC with our marathon. Wow. And it's all repeats, so it's basically syndicated now, And but we they're going to show us, I think, every night now or once a week or something on CNBC, hmm. and the fact that we dominated on CNBC and set you know record high numbers for a different network at, you know, airing a marathon, it speaks a lot for the show, so oh, yeah. it's a great show to be a part of. Hmm. Now, Barbara has been a guest on the show here. She seems like such a nice person. Barbara is the best. <laughs> um, Barbara is a very smart woman, but she's a, so much fun. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we can't air on ABC that she, she either does or says um, that's not family-friendly, let's say. Um, like when, for instance, actually, if you look at back at the Cousins Maine Lobster um, pitch at the end she hugs them and they kind of do a little sandwich that went on each side of her and they hug her and you see her hands go down but they cut it but she's actually squeezing jim's butt <laughs> she likes attractive men i can't blame her but um she's she's on a different level where she's just very real and i i think i mean i know that everyone has successful entrepreneurs that they've dealt with but i think she she just all of her companies have just killed it, you know, because she's a marketing and branding guru. And she's she doesn't have a filter, but that's what I like about her. Hmm. <laughs> now, Robert seems to be the type of guy that I would I would love to get in business with because he seems down to earth. Robert is probably, the, I would say, the nicest shark out of all of them. He's just a genuine person. Obviously, everyone knows his backstory about his dad and, you know, being from Russia and coming over here. Or Croatia. It's Croatia, rather. Um, and he's, that's how he is. He's that genuine. He came into our production office a couple of weeks ago and was just hanging out like, Hey, what's going on? And just really, just a really genuine person that like you could just be really good friends with. So I think he, I think sometimes because he's so nice, it might not always work out, but he, you can't, can't put anything past him. He's, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's super, super yeah. successful and super, super smart. So um, I love Robert. He's great. Yeah. Now, Damon seems like a nice guy, too. I adore Damon. I love all the sharks, first of all. Yeah. But Damon is funny because he just has these little one-liners every once in a while that he'll just kind of – he'll be kind of quiet. And I'm always like, is he awake? Is he listening? And you'll just hear him just kind of pop up with one little one-liner, and it just it just makes the whole segment. So um, the great thing about Damon is that you know, he's, he represents basically on our show the entire fashion industry. Um, so that helps. Um, and, and you can tell when, when somebody is looking to partner with him. Oh yes. Yes. And they make it blatantly obvious. Um, I'm taller than him. I will make that note. (laughs) He is, he is short. Actually, a lot of the sharks are, are, they look taller than they are on TV. Uh, but no, Damon's great. And, um, he's, he, he likes to have fun. And Mark seems to be a uh, kind of a nice guy to get involved with if you're lucky enough to get him as your partner. 
Yeah, I think with with Mark, with I call him Cuban. Uh, I think you know he added a lot to our show. He's very outspoken. And those shark fights, a lot of people actually it was funny when I was at the outdoor retail show this weekend. Someone approached me and they're like, "I don't watch your show anymore because I think that you guys stage all the fights with the sharks." And I'm like, "That's real. Like I can't, you know, no one that makes that up." If and they'll those those heated debates will go on through lunch sometimes because mm. they really want these companies. Um, but Mark is super nice. He knows, you know, he knows he's everyone on set. He'll say hi to him and everything. And he's a super successful, obviously, and insanely smart person. Um, and if you get into business with him, you know, your business is going to blow up. I'm sure. So, but he, they're all so much fun to be around. Well, one of the things that is new this year that we've talked about before was that, um, they've had a couple of guest sharks. Yeah. And one of the, Best ones that I thought was the one Johnny George's. with with the, the the guy with the farming tree teepee, tree teepee there. Yeah. And when none of the sharks would touch it because there wasn't enough money in it, and the shark stepped forward, who was the guest one, and uh, which uh, Paul JP uh, John Paul DeJoria. John, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he stepped forward. I mean, you really felt that he was, you know, really touched by that. But, that was probably, honestly, my favorite pitch of definitely of season five, possibly of the entire series. Um, Johnny Georges knew nothing about Shark Tank when we called him. He was like, oh, my friend told me I should apply, but I don't know what it is. And we said, well, go watch a couple episodes and call us back. And he did. And he is the definition of why we do this show, in my opinion. You're looking for hardworking Americans, and, and everyone here in this country is a hardworking American, especially if you come into the tank. We know what you're trying to do. But Johnny Georges has an amazing backstory, and he really is, you know, the salt of the earth, if you will, oh, yeah. or the dirt of the earth, because he deals with trees and dirt. And when we saw what he was doing, we thought, well, this is really interesting. It's kind of a different market that we haven't approached. But you could tell that JP was just, he got it and he knew it mm. and he just knew what he could do and he just really appreciated Johnny for who he was and what he's done. Yeah. And it was just this immediate spark and you could see it and all of us sitting at, in Producers Village, you know, watching on monitors were just like tearing up because yeah. it was just so touching in Johnny's story. He's such a genuine person. He's such a hard worker and for someone to believe in someone like that. That's why Shark Tank is here, and so it. Um, I think he has an update coming up soon. Which, well, that's what I was just going to ask yeah. you. Is there any updates? Of, yeah. Are they doing well? Or, yeah. But if, um, if you don't want to say anything, that's fine. I can't say anything. I actually don't know per se um, because that's all kind of dealt with someone else's um, end of things. But I do know that um, he should be getting an update pretty soon, and so we'll be able to see how he's doing with JP. So, mm, but yeah. definitely one of the highlights of of why I do this show was was because of him. Yeah, that was a good one. Shark Tank is going for which season now? Season five is currently airing until probably about end of April, and season six is just starting up with casting. And that's a definite. They're having season six. Well, we haven't officially got the pickup from ABC. We have to wait for it. But my staff starts up um, in a, in pretty much beginning of March, um, and we are are going full speed ahead and to hopefully premiere again in September of 2014 into and through 2015. I can't imagine that they wouldn't. I mean, with the ratings at, that it gets. At this rate, with our again, like I said, we just had our series high Friday night. We had eight million viewers, and that's the biggest we've ever had. So it's like 
just give us season seven right now. We'll yeah. just cast all your and you around. and you can tell when the the network is using that show or any show as a filler for other shows that are they're preempting mm-hmm. to get ready for some other shows that are going to start. They're not putting on the 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 junk. They're putting on a show that's going to bring some people to the network and right. continue along with the, and those are reruns. Yeah, and what's interesting is that um, you know we do the reruns and it's great for businesses because all their sales go up again. Oh, and, I'm sure and they it's, do. It's more exposure, and so it's great. But I will say that um, they've actually started using our show to bring in viewers for their other shows. Mm-hmm. So that's always interesting, and it's a good sign because we're we're solid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Hopefully, for a while. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Now, let's take a peek at other things you've done over your career now. You actually went to school at USC, right? Well, I don't know why I said right. I know I, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Or I did I pay mean, for it. Technically, as you remember, I went to I went to the University of New England, which is a tiny school in Maine, and I was a psychology major. And I remember having a conversation with you one night on the phone, and it was like a light bulb went on, and it just we talked about my you know my uncle, your brother, who works in the industry, and our cousin Ken, who works in the industry. And I just decided that night, I think on the phone with you, like, Dad, I want to go to film school. And I was only, what, halfway through my first semester of college. Yeah. <laughs> so you, we started flying all over the United States looking at schools. And I looked at USC with you, and I fell in love with it. But I didn't get accepted until the late summer, and we'd already sent in my yeah, application right to someone end, else. <laughs> uh, we'd already sent in the deposit to another school, and then I got into USC it took me three tries to get into USC film school, and on third time, I finally got in. Um, so hard work definitely pays off, and to this day, I still don't know how I got in because, I mean, I'm a bright person, but I'm not like USC standards of, of students, especially now. Like, you have to have like a 4.4 GPA and stuff like that. Um, but I got in, and I finished in three years, and USC is – I didn't know when I applied it was the number one film school. I didn't know it was private. I didn't know it was the Trojans or anything like that. So it was a pleasant surprise for me, maybe not for you when the bill came. But <laughs> um, And then after I graduated from USC, I actually moved back to Maine. You drove cross-country with me two summers in a row for that because I hated L.A. and didn't want to stay here. Moved back to Maine. I worked on um, Trading Spaces, came to Maine, and they hired me as a PA. They actually called me. My resume was on the Maine Film Commission website, and they called me out of the blue. And then I worked on a low-budget film, and then I worked on another um, low-budget horror film in Ohio where they shot the Shawshank Redemption prison, or Shawshank Redemption movie, where the prison was. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I moved back to Los Angeles, and I was a camp counselor for the New York Film Academy for their summer program. And then I randomly 
somehow got a job on the TV show Las Vegas with Jimmy Kahn and Josh Dumel and Molly Sims and James Lejeur and Vanessa Marcel. Now, how was it working on that show with those guys? I mean, the first day that I walked onto the Vegas set, it ha- it was one at that time. It was one of the biggest working sets in Hollywood. It was two sound stages. And the whole thing was a casino. What studio was that with? That was at Culver Studios. Oh, at Sony? No, Culver, Sony and Culver are right side oh, by oh, side. Oh, okay. But I was at Culver Studios and I walked in and I just remember thinking, oh my God, like it was a full on casino in a soundstage and it looked exactly like everything in Vegas. And working on that show was difficult at times because my title was production safety manager and I was basically dealing with a lot of adversity because I was telling people things they couldn't do who've been in the industry longer than I've been alive. How was that when they, you know, here you are, you're trying to keep everybody safe, but they want to do something and you're talking to a director who, you know, they're used to getting their way. Keep in mind, I was only 23 years old and I had a production safety title manager and I'd never done anything like that in my life. And they, my boss at NBC had a lot of faith in me but for me to tell someone like a grip or electric or anyone the director like hey you can't do this hey you need to move this out of the fire lane or you can't stand on this step of the ladder or whatever you need to tie off they didn't like it they didn't Mm, like that some blonde girl with blue eyes who's 23 is trying to tell someone who literally has been doing their job longer than I've been alive you can't do this but it was a very I learned very early on you had to have tough skin in this industry, and it helped. Like, I definitely grew from that experience, and I'm so, so happy for it. And at the end of the day, working on that show was amazing. It was I worked on it for nine months, so or something like that. But it was it was a good experience. So You knew these actors too, right? Because I know you had your picture yes, with Josh. I did, yeah. Josh would see me. Josh and James would be, you know, get there on the set at 7 a.m., and they'd be like, hey, Mindy give me hugs or they'd be playing basketball and I'd walk by and they'd say hi. And um, Josh is one of the most down to earth people I've ever met. I've met a good amount of actors uh, here in Hollywood and he's one that just drives like a F Ford F one fifty or whatever. And mm. is very, you know, down to earth and just very genuine. So uh, they were all very, very nice to work with. Now you also worked with uh, Snoop Dogg, right? On Snoop. What is it? Snoop, Snoop Dogg's fatherhood. fatherhood. Yeah. I did. That must have been interesting. <laughs> Working with Snoop Dogg, you can only imagine what was going on in those offices where he was sitting. Let's just say there was a lot of substance uh, happening. But the man is a genius when it comes to music. And the, the, the one-liners or the sound bites, as we call them here, that come out of his mouth were gold. Because he would just say stuff off on the fly and be like, what are you talking about? Um so it was a really, a really fun, entertaining show to work on. I, I didn't interact with him that much because I was in, I was dealing with story, the story department on that one. But um, it was definitely a fun show to work on overall. And I had just come off of uh, working on a Top Chef episode in Chicago. Yeah. Now a lot of people think that you mentioned story. Mm. Now a lot of people think reality, and that what they try to put off is that this is all unscripted and all just happening. But in reality. The reality is written. <laughs> on certain shows. Certain, on certain shows, On yes. certain shows, yes. Uh, I actually remember, and you remember this, I used to watch the Osbournes all the time. Right, yeah. And when I found out that it was scripted, I was devastated. Uh, but then I also quickly learned that, and it's not like most reality shows like Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, you know, shows like that, shows that I worked on with, with the exception Apprentice, you know, Who Done It, all these they're not scripted. Right. It's literally just cameras following people around, and they're saying whatever comes out of their mouth. 
on shows like Snoop's, you know, Snoop's, uh, Snoop Dogg's Fatherhood and Osborne's and more than likely the Kardashians, Kardashians also, what the story department does is they come up with scenarios or, you know, what you should do in this episode. So, like, you know, with different episodes, it was always, well, today we're going to go play soccer with your kids. And so yeah. we'd set up everything. The words know, aren't written, but the words aren't written. you're going to do this today. Correct. You're going to yes. have a fight. Or <laughs> you're going to discuss this. And then when those things, you know, they all kind of play out in their own way. But definitely it was eye-opening because I hadn't worked in story yet. So it was really interesting to see, okay, well, they literally have a whole, it's like a Bible, the show Bible of what's going to happen in that episode. So um, that was that was interesting. But I will say that most reality shows where it's a competition game show, not scripted at all, except right. for the host. The host, obviously, right, yeah. it's scripted. Yeah. But. Now, I survived a Japanese game show, a crazy show. I didn't particularly care for it. But yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, you got a chance to work on that, and you got to go to Japan twice. Twice, yes. Um, I was super pumped when I found out that show was coming. Uh, first season, we knew we were going to Japan, but we couldn't tell the contestants. Uh, it was a surprise for them. But the second my boss said, hey, do you want to go to Japan and work on the actual show? I was like, sign me up. I didn't have a passport. I had to go get one. Um, but I was lucky enough to do two seasons. The first season, I was only there for three weeks. Uh, the second season, I was there for about six weeks. Um, so you try to cram in as much as possible to see as much as you can. But I was working, I think I worked 40, 45 days straight. I didn't get a day off because when you have a cast, basically my job on those on that show was I was the contestant manager. So I babysit the cast all day, every day. So when they're not, if there's a day that we don't film, I take them out of the hotel you know, entertain them for a little bit, or if they get eliminated, I have to take care of them until I send them home and stuff like that. So, uh, but, but going to Japan was amazing, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. It's but it's really expensive. Now you got to see, you went to Mount Fuji, right? I went to Mount Fuji. We also shot at the infamous Toho Studios, um, where Kurosawa used to film mm -hmm. all his stuff, the Seven, Seven Samurai, and all that. Uh, but I did get to go to Mount Fuji. Um, I went to the. I'm probably gonna get this wrong, but I think it's the Yamagata region or wherever they serve Yamagata beef we took like a two-hour bullet train ride which is really like four or five hours north and we had Yamagata beef which is better than Kobe and they don't export it and I mean you just took a bite of this meat and it just melted in your mouth so there were perks of working on that show because even though I was working I got to see a lot of the country or a lot of the city and stuff like that so now, if you say that wrong I do have a lot of listeners in Japan so they will send me emails <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> Maybe we should ask Aunt Kaori because she knows. <laughs> She's Japanese. <laughs> now, what about Expedition Impossible? Now, that one was one that was uh, interesting because you got to go to Morocco with that one, right? I love my job. Uh, yeah, I got to go for Expedition Impossible. There were 39 contestants, and I did the same thing. I was contestant manager, and I went to Morocco for six or seven weeks on that one. And that one, that show was not as glamorous, per se, as Japanese game show. In Japanese game show, I was staying in nice hotels every night. In Morocco, my first actual night of the sh of the filming, because we got there a couple days early to get ready, but the first night of filming, um, I had to basically sleep in a tent in the Sahara Desert, because that's where my contestants were. Hmm. And so I slept in a tent probably every two or three nights, um, out in the middle of nowhere, with nothing, no showers, just <laughs> chickens and dogs and, you know, whatever else are in the elements around you, so... Um, you just find a sleeping bag. We had sleeping bags, so I just would get in my sleeping bag and wake up the next morning and take care of them until I could get to, you know, a hotel. Because we were out 
you know, five, six hours from the closest town. And these are tiny little towns throughout Morocco. But it was gorgeous because you get to see so much of the landscape. We started on the border of Algeria. Yep. Yeah. And then made our way all the way into um, Marrakesh over four or five, four four weeks. And then I stayed for a little extra. Now, that that was probably the one show that we were most worried about, too, because of the the whole region right. that there's problems down there. And actually, one of the cafes that you told us that yeah. was uh, a nice place that you that you, ate that you ate at, about two weeks or so after that, uh, the, it, it was, was blown up by terrorists, it right? It was actually a week later. I was at, right before I left, like after the contestants left, I spent a week in Marrakesh so I could just see the sights and be by myself and relax. And in the, um, oh God, what is it called? In the main square in Marrakesh, I can't remember the name of it or what it's called, um, there is a very touristy type of restaurant that we just ate at one night because we were tired and we didn't really want to walk around much more. And a week later, to the day, it was blown up. Um, and actually, one of my friends who was still in Morocco in Marrakesh helped drag people out of the rubble and, and unfortunately, bodies and whatnot. But and I think also at the same time, there's stuff going on in Algeria. So when we were on that border, it was a little like, oh, gosh. But, um, yeah, no, my friend my friend Shane was there, and he was, you know, he's an amazing person, and he helped people. But the same thing happened in Japan when I was in Japanese, going on Japanese game show. There was a suicide bomber who blew stuff up a week after I left Japan. So hmm. knock on wood, nothing's happened. But yeah. sorry, if I, <laughs> sorry if I scare you and mom. <laughs> but closer to home... You've also got to work with Donald Trump on The Apprentice. I did work with Mr. Trump. Um, I only worked on one season of The Apprentice. It was actually the season where it was kind of the, um, what's the word? The economic recession. There we go. So when the recession was happening and everyone, you know, was losing their jobs and, and all that unfortunate stuff, The Apprentice came back to civilian, not celebrity. And my boss, Scott, uh, who's the head of casting, brought me on. And um, I went to New York and did the open call at Trump Tower, and Mr. Trump sat right beside me. And it was one of the most nerve-wracking things because he's leaning over my shoulder like, how do, how do you think that person's doing? And I'm like, oh, that person's great, Mr. Trump. Like, uh, he's a little intimidating. He's a very large man and very powerful and very rich. Um, but it was a great time to work on. I met amazing people. But also casting for that show was very sad, very depressing because people had given up so much mm. just to stay afloat. But yeah, no, Mr. Trump, oh, the Donald, his hair's real as far as I know. <laughs> now, you also worked on a show for Oprah. Now, did you get to see Oprah at all? I didn't get to meet or see Oprah, but I spoke to her on a conference call. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. It was another Mark Burnett show, and um, we did Oprah's Your Own Show, and um we did a, um, a, ca a casting call, a conference call one day, and my boss and her were on that phone, and we heard her say hi. And we said hi, and then that was pretty much it. But had I worked on the show as the casting manager, I probably would have at least seen her. But um, I was already moved on to Shark Tank at that point. Yeah. Now, recently, Duets was on, and that was Robin Thicke was on that. Yeah. And okay. also John Legend, right? And Kelly Clarkson and, Kelly Clarkson. and Jennifer Nettles. Yeah. So yeah. did you get to? meet them at all or no I was the casting manager on that my staff of casting associates did meet them because each of my staff was assigned to a certain you know singer celebrity 
Um, so I didn't get to meet, I met John Legend. I take that back. I did meet John Legend because I helped with his open casting call in Los Angeles. Um, and I had actually met him cause he came and did a show on Las Vegas when I was working on oh. Las Vegas. So I'd already met him then. Not that he knows who I am. Right, yeah. Uh, but he's very, very, very sweet. Um, but that was a great show to work on. I wish I'd come back, but all my cast said that everyone they worked with was fantastic. Kelly's very sweet, very gracious. And Jennifer's just a Glass and glass, and Robin's his own thing, and everything. So yeah. now we're going to finish up here. But uh, you also worked recently, this past uh, Christmas time, mm-hmm. the Great Christmas Light Fight. Now that show uh, was was kind of neat. Uh, do you know if that one's coming back? We're hoping it's coming back. That show was like Christmas lights on crack. <laughs> like it's basically all the Clark Griswolds of of the U.S. <laughs> showcasing, and it was fun. But I was so sick of Christmas music by August. Uh, that I wanted to pull my hair out. But it's amazing what these people do. It's amazing how much money these people pour into these shows, these light shows. And I think if you go to abc.com, we are casting. It's open. We don't know if it's been picked up. Uh, Of course, it's only January. But um, we're hoping it comes back because it is a really fun show. And it's something fun for the holidays, you know, right before Mm -hmm. Christmas or, you know, all those holidays start up. So, Final two questions getting away from all the shows you've worked on. What are your favorite TV shows to watch now and of the past? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, as you know, I enjoy my reality shows like my mother. (laughs) Um, I watch my favorite. I would say I have a lot of reality shows and I have a lot of scripted shows for scripted shows. Um, the walking dead, um, I should see what's on my DVR. The Walking Dead. Um, the following is a really, really great one that I love now. Breaking Bad when it was Breaking on. Breaking Bad, yeah. Um, and Dexter, the first couple seasons, I was really disappointed with the last one. Homeland's another great one. Scandal is fantastic. Um, for reality shows, I watch my shows. I watch Shark Tank every week. Even though I sit through every single pitch on set, I watch them again. Um, I watched The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, hey, okay, we'll just skip those <laughs> over. <laughs> and then movies? Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, oh, your favorite was American Hustle? Stop <laughs> it! Don't do that! Um, we went to see that, and she hated that. So. I, I, I wasn't a fan. I'm looking and at, I hated it, too. I'm looking at my DVDs. Um, anything with Christopher Walken, because I love Walken. So, for movies, Suicide Kings, because I love Christopher Walken. Um, the fighter was great. Um, Lawless with Tom Hardy is great. Inception. Um, anything that Christopher Nolan does is pretty fantastic. I would say this year in terms of people or movies, um, I really liked August Osage County. Um, that was really powerful. Um, and I just actually saw Lone Survivor and you want to talk about an intense film. That's good. It's good. It's very, it's very graphic and very violent and, but at the same time, you know that this is exactly what they went through, and so it makes you kind of take a step back, and you're like, I shouldn't complain about anything because they went through hell. All right, so, Min, thanks for joining us here. I know we're heading out to uh, go have a nice lunch, so uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, it was a pleasure, Dad. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I want to thank Mindy Zimrak, my daughter so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond about Shark Tank and all the other shows she's been on. And I hope you're watching that show because it uh, keeps her employed. I like that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it's an interesting show. I always enjoy watching those shows, uh, other shows she's been on. Some I like, some I didn't. But, you know, that's the way it goes. And if uh, you 
want to get in touch with me to make a suggestion of a guest that you would like to listen to here on On Screen and Beyond, go ahead and email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on for you. We're lining up a great guest of people in the next couple of weeks. It's just, you know, we're getting some people who are really, really, really uh, on some great shows and have been on great shows, and uh, we're getting all kinds of requests that uh, people are sending us, and I appreciate that. And uh, also, looking over the the list of uh, stats that we have, uh, so many countries from all over the world are listening to On Screen and Beyond, and we appreciate it. And uh, we had uh, Sri Lanka. We had somebody from there, uh, some people there who uh, actually are listening, and they sent an email. We appreciate that. And uh, so hi to all of you out there, Brazil and England and Germany and China and, of course, the United States. We have That's our biggest area. And Canada and Mexico and uh, just all over the world. And we thank you very much for listening. And like I say, if you get a chance, send me an email. Love to hear from where people are listening to On Screen and Beyond. We just uh, enjoy that. And like I said, uh, I was at the Grammys last week, and it was just a lot of fun just to hear those musicians. And actually, one of the greatest bands that we heard was not who you would think at the Grammys that were televised. It was actually at one of the other shows, and a fantastic group that we heard with uh, four saxophones. And uh, if you listen to the, uh, if you watch, rather, the um, at the Grammy.com or Grammys.com, whatever it is, uh, they have a the show and uh, of the pre non televised one. Cindy Lauper was the host of that, and uh, Steve Martin was there, and Kathy Griffin, and all kinds of people that won uh, the won the Grammys. And uh, but that opening band, if you listen to that, it and and, and I don't know if it comes across like uh, like I felt it because we were just, like I say right up front, and it was just booming the music and they were just fantastic musicians and it was a lot of fun to hear that so that is about it and if you're on facebook be sure to like us on there and if you're on itunes please leave us a little review there and it'll help more people hear about on screen and beyond we just keep growing and growing and growing and it's because you are letting people know and we appreciate that and we just want to get the word out and get more and more people so we can get more and more people on here for On Screen and Beyond to uh, share with you. So just go to onscreenandbeyond.com and like I say, you can email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond or go to onscreenandbeyond.com. You can hear all 300 episodes from the past with great guests like Bob Barker, Dennis Cole was on, and Gary Sinise, and it just, it's mind-boggling. We had Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies, and we had Don Wells from Gilligan's Island, and it just incredible people. We just uh, had so many, and we just keep getting more and more, and I hope you're enjoying them. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.